0: Last week I started a sermon series that we're calling Jesus, Man of Mystery. And what we're doing over the course of this six-week sermon series is that we're looking at the lectionary gospel readings and we're seeing that Jesus is a mysterious figure. And what I hope will be the goal of this is that we will see that understanding who Jesus is and who Christ calls us to be, often is revealed gradually to us. Today's lectionary reading is John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51, and the title of the sermon today is, Now You See It, Now You Don't. Now you see it, now you don't. Now last weekend, uh, my mother-in-law came into town. And she came into town so that Hillary and I could have a date day and so that Grammy could spend some quality time with her granddaughter. Let's not kid ourselves. The highlight of my date day with Hillary is that we went to Nashville to see the Broadway musical Funny Girl at the Tennessee Performing Arts Center. And as the house doors open up and as we are about to go into our seats, I see two very familiar faces, Tom and Vicki. Tom is a United Methodist minister. And we actually met about 20 years ago right here in Murfreesboro when he was serving the Locks and Kedron United Methodist Churches and I was just up the road a piece serving in Laverne. Tom and Vicky were handing out the playbills to the patrons as we entered into the theater. When I got my playbill and said hello to Tom, I learned that volunteers are the ones who hand out the playbills at TPAC. It's a way for people to support the arts. And who am I kidding? You get to stick around after you hand out all those playbills and watch the show for free. Well, I introduced Hillary to Tom and Vicky, and then we began to make our way to our seats. And so I was trying to fill in to Hillary just who these two people were and why they were so special to me. Now, one of the interesting things about Tom is not that he's a United Methodist pastor, not that he volunteers and hands out playbills for Broadway musicals at TPAC. One of the interesting things about Tom is that he's a magician. And in fact, I'm told that he's even been to St. Mark's before to share his magic tricks with the children and the youth and those of us who are young at heart. And so I got to thinking about magic after I ran into Tom and his wife Vicky that day. And I don't know how long it's been since I've seen a magic show, but I can vividly remember when I was in elementary school and a magician came to our school to do some of his magic acts. And I can vividly remember when he took a coin in one hand and moved it to the other hand, and all of a sudden the coin disappeared. And I remember thinking, could he do that with my brother? <laughs> it was just amazing to me that, 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 that I sat there and watched him take one coin and move it to the other hand, and then there's no coin at all. Well, it's not too long after that, I was flipping through the Sears and Roebuck Christmas catalog. Anybody remember that? That's how you used to find your Christmas presents. You'd look through that Christmas catalog, and you'd circle the ones that you want, and then you'd make sure that that was on your list to Santa. And when I was looking through that Sears and Roebuck Christmas catalog, I found a magic set. And so I circled that magic set because the thought of maybe making my brother disappear was just too tempting not to figure out. I got that from Santa Claus that year, and I couldn't wait to open up that magic set and to begin to figure out how in the world you could make coins and brothers disappear. And much to my dismay, it turns out that you really can't make coins disappear in thin air you actually just hide the coin. You take the coin from one hand, you put it like, act like you're putting it in another hand, but you actually drop it down the sleeve of your shirt. And I was so disappointed. What I thought I saw and what I thought I knew happened really wasn't true after all. I think a little bit of the same thing is happening in our passage of Scripture today. Uh, Jesus is beginning His public ministry. Uh, We assume that maybe Jesus has spent the first 30 some odd years of His life living with His family. Maybe helping out His father in the carpentry business. But at some point, Jesus makes His way to visit His cousin John. And his cousin John is out by the Jordan River baptizing people. And we talked about that passage of Scripture last week. And what we know is that Jesus goes to the Jordan River and he is actually baptized by his cousin John. Fast forward and in our passage of scripture today, it appears as if Jesus is now beginning his public ministry by selecting the people that are going to be a part of his inner circle. And he has had an encounter with this man named Philip. Now, as far as we know, Philip doesn't have any clue what happened to Jesus when he was baptized. How the heavens were ripped open, how the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, how there was a voice from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved with whom I am well pleased. If Philip knows it, we're not told that in the Scripture. As far as we know, Philip hasn't seen Jesus do any amazing miracles yet. In John's Gospel, we don't see the first sign and wonder that Jesus does until the next chapter when he turns water into wine, and we Methodists have been thanking him for that ever since, right? So there's no sense that he's done any uh, real miracle here. There's also no sense that he's been going around quoting what we understand as the Old Testament, quoting some of those scriptures and saying how that he is the fulfillment of those Old Testament scriptures and that he is in fact the Messiah. There's nothing in John's gospel to suggest that. All we know is that Philip has an encounter with Jesus and Jesus says, follow me. And somehow through that encounter, Philip concludes in his mind that this Jesus is the one that Moses and the prophets all wrote about. But Philip's buddy, Nathaniel, is not quite so sure. I mean, Philip's friend, Nathaniel, knows what Philip thinks he saw. Philip's Friend, Nathaniel knows what Philip thinks he knows, but he's not so sure that that's what's really true. In fact, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He has his doubts that this man Jesus could be the one that Philip thinks he is. Now, maybe he has his doubts because Nathaniel's from Cana, and Jesus is from Nazareth, and maybe they're football rivalries. Maybe it's sort of like Oakland and Riverdale. They just really don't like each other because they come from different places. Or maybe Nathaniel's just not quite so sure that what Philip thinks he knows and what Philip thinks he saw is not necessarily true is because Nazareth during this time is about 200 to 400 people. And everybody knows that nothing good is going to come out of such a small, insignificant, podunk town like Nazareth. Maybe Nathaniel is questioning what Philip saw and what Philip knew because there is not one time in all of the Old Testament is there a reference to Nazareth. And maybe Philip is not so. Sh- Nathaniel is not so sure about what Philip has seen and what he knows. Is because for those who have read the Old Testament scriptures, it seems that the Messiah is intended to come from Bethlehem and not Nazareth. There is no way in Nathaniel's mind that what Philip thinks he knows and what Philip thinks he saw is true. This cannot be. The Messiah. Now, I think Philip may be one of my favorite of the apostles. And the reason why I like Philip so much is that Philip understands in this moment when Nathaniel is asking what appears to be a snarky question, when Philip is expressing his doubt, when Nathaniel is expressing his doubts about what Philip has seen and heard, Philip doesn't argue with Nathaniel. It's as if Philip understands that you can't argue people into a relationship with Jesus. And yet, don't we know some Christian people like that? They're just trying to argue you into accepting Jesus as Savior, Lord, and Messiah. I like Philip because I think he understands that more times than not, when you try to argue people into a relationship with Jesus, you end up doing more harm than good. I've shared this story before in sermons, but it bears repeating. My father was not a Christian for most of his life, and um, there were always pastors moving into my small town, and when they would learn that my father didn't go to church, they would show up at our house, and they would try to debate my doubting dad into faith, and it never worked. In fact, it just made my dad more rigid against the idea that Jesus might be Savior and Lord. But then a Methodist preacher moved into town one day, found out my dad didn't go to church, and went and visited him, and he decided to take a different approach He decided to get to know my dad and to meet him where he was. He didn't even mention God or Jesus or faith until after a while my father ended up mentioning it to him, wanting to know, why haven't you been beating me over the head with this religion stuff like all of these other pastors? But this United Methodist pastor realized that he's probably not going to debate my dad into faith. Instead, he thought, I'm just going to be present with him and get to know him on uh, his level and meet him where he is. And, and I just hope, I just hope that he will begin to see Jesus in me and see how my faith informs my life and that that might be what leads him into a relationship with Jesus. Philip didn't argue with Nathaniel. Instead, he said, Hey, just come and see. Just come and hang out with this guy for a while. Just come and spend some time with him and see what happens. I said that Philip is my favorite disciple, but I suspect that there are people here this morning that might more readily and easily identify with Nathaniel. There might be people sitting out here this morning thinking, Well, preacher, I know what you think you know about Jesus. I know that what you say is true about Jesus, but that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't resonate with me. You actually believe that somebody died, and then three days later they came back to life. You actually believe that there was somebody walking around and performing all sorts of miracles, why, that's nothing more than magic. It may look like something. You may think you know what's going on, but it's really just a slight of hand. To which I would simply say to you what Philip said to Nathaniel. I'm not here to debate you. I just invite you to come and see. And what I think you'll find if you dare to spend any amount of time with Jesus is you're going to find that he's not going to argue with you. He's not going to try to debate you into faith. He's not going to rebuke you for your snarky comments or for your doubts that you might have. He's just going to seek to help you to understand that he's interested in you, that he loves you, that he cares about you, and that he longs for your life to be the kind of life that God desires. And Jesus is just going to bank on that if you'll just keep coming around, if you just keep spending a little bit of time with Him, if you'll keep reading your Bible daily, if you'll surround yourself with a small group who's committed and growing spiritually, if you will seek to find mentors uh, that can help you to understand uh, faith and to talk to you about what their faith means to them, what's going to happen is that you're going to begin to see some changes to take place. You're going to begin to to feel valued and loved and seen and heard. And your life is going to begin to change. And while you're marveling at all of the changes that you begin to see place, I suspect that just like Nathaniel heard from Jesus, that you're going to find something to be true as well. All these changes that you see in yourself, greater things than these you will see. May it be so.